Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi. Hello. Welcome to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and early 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Margot Poupard. And I'm your other host, Emily Beijing. It's a tale as old as time. You want a hot body? You want a Bugatti? You want a Maserati? You better get yourself a celebrity sex tape, bitch. You could argue that Kris Jenner, the founder of using a sex tape to launch a billion-dollar reality TV empire, is the originator. But really... It's Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, who got fucked over by some greedy adult film industry con artists so that Jenner could not walk or run, but fucking sprint into a lucrative career doing truly whatever the fuck they want and make money off of it in the process. And today, for our celebrity sex tapes, in addition to Pam and Tommy, we will also be talking about Paris Hilton's One Night in Paris and Kim Kardashian's I actually don't really know what that one's called. <laughs> oh, yes. So the title, which just rolls off the tongue, is... Uh, I bet Kim- it does because it is Ray J. You know, Kim- you, know, you know it. Kim Kardashian, superstar. Oh, okay. Sort of like Kim Kardashian jam. Well, also Jesus <laughs> Christ. Sorry. I thought of Do Jesus it- Christ, superstar. But <laughs> oh, because I was thinking of her hit single jam, parentheses, turn it up. <laughs> Either one. If she was going for an Andrew Lloyd Webber, great. If an homage to her music career, excellent as well. So before we get into it, Emily, which, if any of these, have you watched? Because I think we've all seen Tommy Lee's dick drive a boat, which gives a whole new meaning to let me drive the boat. Or maybe we haven't. I don't know. Personally, I could only watch five minutes of Paris's night vision sex tape, mostly <laughs> because of the way it was shot made me nauseous. And it like gave me flashes of Blair Witch a little bit. Uh, but also you can tell she's... True. um a little under the influence, which makes it kind of gross to watch. But that's that's my experience. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit all of these really 
to an extent, everyone is under the influence, which explains a lot. But I, I too, have watched sure. about, about five minutes of uh, The Blair Witch Project that is that sex tape. <laughs> um, and much like The Blair Witch Project, I had to turn it off fairly quickly because I found myself getting nauseous. Um, as for Pam and Tommy, I've seen clips here and there over the years, but have never sat down to watch it. And I have never seen anything of the Kim K and Ray J video. How about you? Yeah, just clips of Pam and Tommy. Um, like I said, the dick driving boat, like it's one of those things that you just like have to see. And just I don't even remember just other random clips. And then about five ish or maybe less minutes of Paris Hilton and zero of Kim Kardashian's. Yeah, I think by the time hers came out, the sort of novelty of a like a leaked celeb sex tape was not as I don't know, taboo as perhaps it once was, yeah. but mostly doing research, especially for Paris's and I, you know, put the, the words research in quotes because I'm about to get some real weird spam. Like if I thought I got a lot of Pornhub, Pornhub spam beforehand, it's probably going to be so much worse after this, (laughs) after this episode, I guarantee you. But Paris's sex tape has some parallels to a sex tape scandal that happened in my high school. I was friends tangentially with a group of guys who shot and circulated like a sex tape with them. It turns out to be a minor, even though it didn't seem that way because we were all in high school. But some of them were 18 and she was 16 and it landed them in some really, really serious legal trouble. Some Uh, were expelled, some were arrested and put on probation. But the one thing that actually always stuck with me that really has the closest parallel to Paris to me is that those dudes were all painted as like the studs who had this like fucking bitching sex tape. And she was the slut who should have known better, even though she was 16 and they were older. This is like she had it coming. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like she had it coming or something. And again, it's a tone that you see through all of the sex tapes that we're going to talk about today. And it should be noted that no one we talk about today consented to their sex tape going public. Any sort of distribution deals that were reached were after the fact when they were completely completely out of options anyway. And it was totally out of their control as you will get into with the Pam and Tommy stuff, because that shit is so much more insane. I can't believe it's taken till 2021 in American years before we got this Hulu show, because that Rolling Stone article is a fucking trip. It was before I get to off topic. One thing after another, I could not believe it just gets like, you think the sex tape would be the most scandalous thing about this. The story behind the scenes is what's even weirder. I would say arguably way more interesting than that fucking yes. sex tape. Yes, that's just eight minutes or whatnot of just whatever, a vacation, a little slightly X-rated vacation. The rest is a rich cornucopia of characters. Because definitely from the clips, I remember being like, there's a lot more like talking than I thought would happen. Like this is more of like a Skinamax situation where For we're sure. having like full scenes before like a dick comes out or whatever, or a boob is popping. Like I, I just remember it kind of like taking a while and being like, uh, this was popular. <laughs> Pretty much. But it was a sensation. But all of this is to say that all of these were made public without the couple's or individual's consent. In some cases, it was maybe classified. Now you would call it revenge porn. But I digress. Before we get into the insane story that is Pam and Tommy, what is it, Extreme Hardcore Sex or whatever it's called? (laughs) It's official title. (laughs) I think you're right, but I think it was distributed under many names because of all the companies involved. 
Oh, the amount of websites with just like, it, it's like people trying to do SEO. Like, it's just like whatever fucking clicks we can get, baby. Yeah. And it's true that to this day, because that is such, that set so many, I don't know, like search engine bugs for the blueprint of the internet for lack of better terms that people add pam anderson to meta tags to get hits of traffic which like blows my fucking mind but all of this is great setup to say before kravis before megan fox and machine gun kelly there was only one bad boy couple that everyone could not get enough of pam and tommy baby Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee were both already pretty famous before they got together. But with their celebrity combined, they became a megastar and tabloid fixture. Pamela Denise, I'm obsessed with learning celebrities' middle names now. <laughs> Pamela Denise Anderson was famously discovered at a BC Lions Canadian football game via Jumbo Jumbotron while she was wearing a Labatt's beer t-shirt. They turned her into a spokesmodel for a time, and then her boyfriend at the time made posters of her calling her the, quote, blue, blue zone girl, starting a trend of men profiting off of her image. But again, I digress. She appeared as the cover girl on Playboy magazine's October 1989 issue, launching her U.S. modeling career. Playboy sub subsequently chose her as Playmate of the Month for their February 1990 issue, where she was a centerfold. After that, she went on to be the first tool-time girl on Home Improvement before joining the cast of Baywatch in 1992, where she played C.J. Parker till 1997. And at the time of meeting Tommy Lee, besides being best known for looking amazing in a red one piece, she was also very well known for her 34 double D boobs because she was one of the few actresses who admitted to having plastic surgery. Tommy Lee was best known as the drummer of Motley Crue. He had several gimmicks that he'd use during his drum solos at concerts, like having his entire kit revolving and spinning or having the kit float above the crowd while he continued to play. He was also most known for mooning the crowd at every single show. The band was also famous for their rock and roll lifestyle on and off stage, you know, doing lots of drugs and drinking. There's that whole Netflix movie, The Dirt, oh, where they will tell you all yes. about it. Yes, you should all watch it at one point, but only need to watch it once, really. And even then, you can like fast forward through stuff, too, and pretty totally. much just get the gist. I think it's like two hours. You can blow through that sucker in hour 40. Yep, yep. Prior to meeting Pam, Tommy had been married to Elaine Starchuk and Heather Locklear. Shit, Tommy was engaged to model Bobby Brown from Warren's Cherry Pie video right before meeting Pam. But Pam and Tommy met in February of 1995, and after four days of knowing each other in an alleged ecstasy-enhanced courtship in Mexico, they got married on the beach. Pam wore a bikini. It was such a whirlwind. Pam's mom found out her daughter got married by People magazine. Although the tape was two years away from becoming a bootleg viral sensation, in April of 95, a sort of prelude to a stolen sex tape, their Polaroids of them in bed were stolen and then sold to French and Dutch editions of Penthouse and American Skin magazine called Screw. Emily will go into the details of the tape, but to close the loop on Pam and Tommy as a couple, they would go on to have two kids together, Brandon, who is on the hills now, and Dylan. As a couple, they would go on to divorce in 1998 after Lee was arrested, arrested for spousal abuse and, and sentenced to jail for six months. They remarried in 2008 and then divorced again in 2010. Strangely enough, Anderson has also twice married Rick Solomon, the man from Paris Hilton's sex tape. But on to the more fun stuff. Which is this so insane story. Yes. <laughs> it, it's it's really just, I, I can't, we could not 
write this. And that is why no. there is a, an entire mini series being made off of this. So a few weeks after their whirlwind romance and wedding in 1995, Pam and Tommy took a vacation together in the form of a houseboat trip on Lake Mead. According to Lee, he brought the video camera and just recorded their vacation, not intending to make a, st- a sex tape, but just filming the various things they did during the trip, including each other. After they got home, <laughs> they watched it one time and then just put it in a safe that was hidden underneath a carpet in Tommy Lee's studio control room in the garage. By the way, he had put together a home studio in the basement of his house because Motley Crue was then working on parts of their upcoming album, Generation Swine. Meanwhile, porn star slash electrician Ran Gauthier, and I'm going to pronounce his name that way. I don't know how you actually pronounce it, but I'm going to give it an old French try. Poor name. Well, it has the like T-H-I-R-E kind of, and he also added a letter to it. To separate himself from his famous dad. So it is unclear what the pronunciation is. So um, I just want to say, here's my support to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) So Rand Gauthier, poor name Austin Moore, was fired by Lee for doing a bad job and Lee would refuse to pay him and his team. Some background here. Uh, Gauthier was the son of an actor trying to make his own way, but was considered kind of an idiot. And though he had done a few adult film scenes here and there, he just kind of liked to hang out on adult film sets and people called him a studio troll. Like he was not the sharpest tool in the tool shed. And this is going to be Seth Rogen, right? Yes. Yes. So perfect. Yes. Yes. Anderson and Lee owed Gauthier $20,000 and owed a bunch of the other people who had worked on this, uh, on their house, which by the way, I'm just going to give you a little detail of the work that had been done on this house because this paragraph was just fascinating to me. So here we go. This is from the Rolling Stone article. Over the course of their multi-year renovations, the couple cycled through several rounds of contractors and workers they deemed untrustworthy, spending what was, by all accounts, an obscene amount of money building a hedonist paradise with a heart-shaped glass and iron doors, a pillow room, a koi pond, a 20-foot mural of heaven and hell in the elevator shaft, and a 30 a 30-foot swing in the living room hanging above the white baby grand piano. I mean, he wanted to live inside of a music video. I think he even describes in his memoir, Tommy Lee does, that it was an adult playground and that's what they wanted. I mean, they spent like 40K on his 33rd birthday. You're like, what is happening over there? They were like bleeding money. And you saw that photo of the house like mid-renovation. It was was just plotwood with like a drape over it. Everywhere. Insane. Everywhere. So Anderson and Lee allegedly owed Gauthier $20,000 and he was ready to just like give up on getting that money until he and a general contractor went back to gather their tools in the house and Tommy Lee pointed a shotgun at them and said to get the fuck off his property. And that is when they say Gauthier snapped. Uh, And his idea for a heist began because he knew about the safe. Gauthier would then spend months planning it parking his car outside of the home and casing the joint, making sure he knew everything about the house. No one suspected anything because there were random cars and vans parked outside of their house at all times because this is 1995 and the paparazzi are all over Pam and Tommy. They're also renovating their house. So like weird trucks show up all the time. completely normal. They're getting marble delivered from France, like all sorts of shit. I'm sure people just like immediately wrote them off and were like, fuck those people. No one, yes. 100%. 
So the heist, the the birthday party you mentioned earlier, the heist would actually happen not far from that time. In fact, it happens five days before Halloween in the middle of the night when the couple is asleep. Gauthier, who claims he did this on his own, which like, there's no way one human man could do this, allegedly no, came over the fence with a yak fur to throw over himself to look like a dog and a U-Haul dolly. So let's let's all imagine okay, that so for a second. Can we unpack this? Because this was the thing that I had trouble like kind of visualizing, <laughs> right? Like, how do you is if you're the dog with the yak fur, is the U-Haul dolly like your tail and it's tied to your pants and you're dragging it and you're walking on all fours? Like, make it make sense. I don't know. Again, this man is not the sharpest as the as uh, as Smash Mouth would say, he ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. All right. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. (laughs) So after he has allegedly come over this fence with the yak fur and a U-Haul dolly all by himself. He comes over the fence with a fucking dolly? Okay, can we unpack that? How does that work? Apparently, You throw him over and then you come over, I guess. Right? I don't even know how else. Homeboy has then disabled the alarms, snuck into the garage, and has somehow been able to move several heavy pieces of recording equipment. I mean, we're talking like entire machines here to get safely under the carpet and wheel out this refrigerator size safe and get it onto his truck with the dolly with no so one I have a question. finding him. Ask I have away. a question. How many hours do you think that took him if he was solo dolo as he claims moving everything away like taking all this equipment taking this out getting it it, it had to have taken six hours what's your what do you think at least if you're one person how the hell could you do this? Also, how can you really disable every single alarm on your own and tell me that by yourself you are going to move this in a short enough amount of time that Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson, and probably I'll add some of the staff that probably lives in their home, exactly. uh, don't wake up. Like this is there. There is at least two or three people involved, and that is actually what other and it's folks not- have said. Yeah, it's not a quiet job either. No, so no, no, no. You're no. telling me that six hours of loud sawing and banging and moving shit around isn't going to get one single person's attention? Maybe if it was one person and you did this over the course of a week, slowly but surely, sure. you know what I mean? That sure. could make more sense. Sure. But the fact that you did this all in one night and you started at 3 a.m., I'm sorry. That's you are a lie. (laughs) And when I began to do the research on this, some of the accounts made it sound as if while Pamela and Tommy were out in London for Christmas, this is when this took place. But that's not the case. Like they were actually in the home. So anyway, there are plenty of people who are involved in this, who are associates of Gauthier at the time or what have you, who have said he told a very different story 25 years ago. And even Tommy Lee Hmm. has, um, has said that he believes a crane was used to take it out. Because there's just no way. That's the only way. There's the only only way. way. When Gauthier discovered the safe also contained his this tape, he devised a plan to make copies of the tape with his friend Milton Ingley, better known by his porn name, Michael Morrison. This was when the porn video industry was huge. There was a $5 billion industry releasing hundreds of features a year. Ingley had taken advantage of Gauthier in the past because, again, not a sharp tool. Uh, But Gauthier remained a loyal friend. At first, after making a few copies, they destroyed the original cassette, which they apparently dispersed the remains of in a deserted area near Six Flags Magic Mountain. (laughs) 
I know. It's like it's haunted over there now for sure. <laughs> they then worked to find a distributor, but were turned down by several people, including Ron Jeremy, because they found the tape was they found out the tape was stolen and didn't want to have to deal with the risk. Finally, they were able to strike a deal with Louis Butchie Pirano, the son of a capo in one of New York's organized crime families, the Columbos. The Columbos, by the way, as Rolling Stone article points out in a beautiful quote, are quote, the Medici's of the adult world having financed and distributed the classic 1972 film Deep Throat, end quote. Pirano did not- Did you ever- Did I ever- Sorry, did you ever watch The Deuce- uh, on HBO because they talk the about first that season. I think it's in the second yeah. going into the third season. They talk about that because it changes, you know, the, the sex work industry in a lot of ways. And there is some, you know, Italian mob fuckery crossover. Anyway, it's very interesting. Obviously, it's a little bit fictional, fictionalized. But when I was going through that article, I was like, why do I know that name? Oh, my God. So, yeah, if you want to know more, watch The Deuce. Good to know. Pereno didn't want to distribute it himself because of all the repercussions that could come out of it, but he offered them 50000 for production and distribution with the intent of getting interest in a cut of the sales because this is the mob. The team put together websites to sell the tape, including pamsex.com, pamsextape.com, pamlee.com. It was just like an SEO manager, marketing manager's work before there was such thing. Like Google call these people. Don't worry. I checked the URLs and it takes you to some spammy looking sites, including one called adscheaper.com. So really great stuff there. And uh, they began (laughs) production on the tape copies. The sites didn't have the video itself. It gave you instructions to send a money order to a New York outpost of a Canadian t-shirt company that would funnel the money to a bank account in Amsterdam. Because that's not so at all fucking sketchy. sketchy. I mean, so it's fucking sketchy. scam everywhere. Written It's insane everywhere. that people actually did that. Yes. You have yes. no way. Yes. You could have just mailed $80 to nothing. I mean, the blind trust. for Pamela Hard- Pamela's hardcore sex video. Thank you. There's the official Thank- name. Ingley thought he was going to be a very rich man, only used a percentage of the 50000 that he had received as a loan, blew the rest of it on champagne, hookers, plaza hotel rooms, and cocaine. Meanwhile, Gauthier had not seen a cent of this money and was just doing all the work back uh, in, the, in L.A., starting the distribution of these tapes from a van. Meanwhile, there were some items around the tape's existence coming up here and there, but Lee and Anderson were pretty much oblivious to about this being out there. Later that year, the couple went to London to spend Christmas while the work was still being done by now other contractors on their house. When they came back, Tommy Lee broke down the studio and realized the safe was gone. According to Lee, quote, there were no broken locks or windows, so it had to be an inside job. The only people with the keys were my assistant and the construction crew, which come to think of it, included an electrician who used to be a porn star and knew that business pretty well. They would go on to file a police report and say that the safe included the car- a golden diamond Cartier watch, golden emerald cufflinks, several guns, a ruby and diamond cross, the white bikini that Pamela Anderson wore to their beach wedding, and uh, the tape. They hired a private investigator named Anthony Pelicano, who, by the way, is serving time for wire fraud right now, to find out what had happened. And the F- investigation just started to get messier and messier with Tommy Lee allegedly getting his head of security, a former Hells Angel, and his buddies to go after various people involved, including including Gautier. At that point, though, there were too many copies that existed. 
Lee and Anderson were realizing that the tape was out of their control and they got word that Penthouse had acquired a copy. A lawyer for Penthouse promised that the magazine wouldn't publish any images from the tape. But on March 29th, 1996, they filed a $10 million civil lawsuit against everyone they thought who might have a copy, including Penthouse, Ingley, Gautier, and some of the others who had worked on the house and were tied to the adult film industry. So Penthouse went around this by talking in detail about the video um, and then also published the Polaroids that were bought illegally in Europe or bought in Europe from an illegal distributor from the video. Basically, they did all these things to get around it without actually putting the video out there. And the judge kept striking down their attempts at an injunction by using a bunch of different arguments. One, that it's like essentially unheard of for a court to bar media outlet from publishing something before it's been published. And then the other thing, which is, you know, more in time tied to how we see, you know, that Pamela Anderson was really portrayed horribly in this whole thing was that they used the argument, uh, especially the penthouse lawyers that because Pamela Anderson had posed nude in the past, that this was like, and that they openly discussed their sex lives in interviews that they didn't really get the same kind of privacy rights that other people got. And, uh, the footage included. That's a, fun. That's yeah. cute. It just the arguments were pretty bad, and like honestly, oh yeah. While while they couldn't do much, the courts really couldn't have done much to keep this, you know, from being published because this was the first world's pretty much first viral video. Ultimately, I mean, legally, they could have done more, but there was a lot of slut shaming. Th- yeah, they could have left the slut shaming out of the rulings, and ultimately, how they ruled would set the tone for. Like, for instance, the Hulk Hogan sex tape scandal and things like that. So they didn't even know. I mean, most of the time you didn't you don't know what you're doing because it's not great to be the first. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's really what it was. And then the final thing that really got them the judges to strike down stuff was that one of the lawyers argued that because Pam Anderson was seen smoking a joint in the video. And in a previous interview, she had said she didn't do drugs. It was deemed quote unquote newsworthy. And they used that argument. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So So stupid because they shot it themselves. The couple technically retained copyright over the tape. And so penthouse kind of went around it to not get sued uh but you know by then the video was becoming more and more viral so ingley the old old porn actor who was swindling you know gautier not wanting to deal with any lawsuits fled to amsterdam in early 1997 where he continued his hooker and drug binge and spent time in internet cafes creating online ads for the tape with a promise of the shipment going out in september of 97 he would eventually pay back the loan he owed to Pereno, but never paid the interest and hoped that he could just hang out in Amsterdam until Pereno died because Pereno had cancer, apparently. Gautier was just so incredibly dark. Like, what an <laughs> asshole. Let me just, like, smoke him out. Like, it's terrible. I'm waiting him out. Like, I'm waiting for him to die. It's so fucking bleak. Like, what a greedy uh... dickhead. Gautier wasn't seeing a cent from these videos. And on top of that, Gautier then had to basically deal with the repercussions of uh, Ingley owing all this money. He was invited by Perino to dinner and allegedly Perino got him so wasted to try to get the truth out of him and realized Gautier had no idea what was going on and no knowledge of where Ingley was. But because he Ingley still owned money, he put that debt on Gautier and Gautier had to work as a hitman essentially for the mob or like a debt collector who was like me, you know, 
capping knees and all that kind of stuff. And then like Emily. throwing ammonia in people's faces. Like the yes, wildest. The third act twist. This third act twist took me out. I was like, wait. And then, no, I'm sorry. This was the end of act two twist. I took, I like could not believe it. Like he's now working. How did we get so far I, away? I, Your I, quick I knew- buck has now become an entire other job. I've seen Insane. enough Sopranos episodes to know that this, something like this was bound to happen but i didn't realize it would take this turn where we get to find out that gotier's trick to avoid having to deal you know with trying to hit kneecaps was going ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. To be throwing ammonia in people's faces. <laughs> I can't, that's fucked. It's so <laughs> fucked. So one of the people who gets their hands on a copy of that September shipment of tapes is a 25-year-old named Seth Warshavsky, who's a shady fellow, who made a lot of money over doing Just when of, you think we've met all of shadier. the shadiest. Yeah. The, now we meet one an, another player has entered another. this chat. My this God. dude has entered the chat to shade it up some more. And then I think there's still one more creep, I, if I remember from the article. There are some other creeps here. It and never there. ends. I had to cut some of the creeps. So I'll 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 leave it at that. Mm. There is I, I tried my best. So Seth Warshawski is known for basically being a pioneer with pay-per-click ads, streaming video, online credit card processing, and has a live porn site. Um, and but is really not liked by the adult film, film industry because apparently he doesn't pay his bills, like he's an asshole, etc. He announces on November 3rd, 1997, that he intends to broadcast this video uh, of the sex tape, though privately figured that he'd never be able to show it due to the risk in lawsuits and was just doing this for publicity's sake. The Lees reach out and try to settle, thinking if they grant him permission to air the tape over the web once without allowing them to sell it in stores, they can kind of quietly live on their lives. Warshawski's lawyer puts together the loosest agreement ever. And this guy was like straight out of Pepperdine Law School. So like not even like a good seasoned lawyer put together some shitty agreement. And apparently Tom and Pammy, sorry, Tommy and Pam's lawyers (laughs) went for it and signed it, which basically had a loophole that allowed them to continue distributing the tape. And then as Tommy Lee puts it, one time they're just watching TV at home and they see a story about a dude at Tower Video stocking the shelves with videotapes, which, by the way, Tower Video took me back as I was reading that sentence. Mm-hmm. And turns out Warshawski had put together a distribution deal with Vivid Entertainment, which will come up later as they keep over. doing. 
<laughs> Warshawski had put together a distribution deal with Vivid Entertainment. When and when Lee and Anderson went to sue, it was too late. The video went even more viral. It took two years to go from this bootleg, let's sell this behind, you know, a white van scenario to viral. Right. When it did, it made about a hundred million in less than 12 months, and that is just on the legitimate sales. The eight-minute-long video is now known as kind of the first true celebrity sex tape. And Pamela, Tommy, and Gauthier never saw a cent, or at least that's what Anderson and Lee claim. There are some reports that say that their deal with Warshawski included a cut for themselves, which is what made subsequent lawsuits a little more difficult. And that by 2002, Hmm. when the federal suit reached court, Warshawski had moved to Bangkok following the- legitimate people move (laughs) it's like lou perlin i think ended up in in bali if i recall correctly and so it's no like just it also reminds me of those guys from the QAnon doc on hbo that moved to the philippines and they're like yeah it's just easier to do business here i'm like yeah not because yeah of of anything else of course no of course not yeah that's easy to answer keep it local Uh, he had been he had been ordered to pay uh, Anderson and Lee $740,000 each. But of course, the couple never saw that money. Where are they mm-hmm. now? Uh, I mean, like you said, Pamela and Tommy called it quits. As you talked about kind of how their lives have ended up. Ingley and Gautier both left porn for good after the tape. And Pereno finally died, which sounds horrible the way I said that. But he passed away in 1999. So that's when Ingley came back to California as Man, a fuck that guy. He did not deserve to come back. He should have been trapped there too. He moved in with his daughter and died in, I believe, 2006. Gautier is still alive to this day. And when he was interviewed for that article in 2014, he was working as an electrician and growing marijuana in his garage outside of Santa Rosa. I know. He's like our neighbor. Oh, my God. Real, and of course, as you all may know by now, there is a series about the sex tape saga that will be released, I believe, this year or next. Uh, and it will star Lily James as Pamela Anderson, Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee, and Seth Rogen as, um, oh my God, I just blanked on his name. Rand Gauthier. Rand Gauthier. <laughs> uh, with, with Rogen actually being one of the producers. Did him and Evan Goldberg write it too, or did someone else write it? You know, I'm not sure, but I'm going to take a look right now. It looks like it is yeah, developed by Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, written by Rob Siegel, and directed by Craig oh, Gillespie, okay. who did oh. I, Tanya. Oh, great. Well, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's also the same writer from I, Tanya. I wonder, too. It looks like Rob Siegel doesn't have a Wikipedia article. Okay. Well, maybe he has an IMDb, which I will look at later. So now we will move on to One Night in Paris, which is the grossest and funniest porn title. I'm sorry. <laughs> I stole this poster from Odyssey Video in high school and just had it up in my room for like years. And no one, my mom included, ever said anything like, hey, take that down or what the fuck, which I think says a lot more about me than anybody else. But anyway, that was my subversive poster as a teen was <laughs> the poster for One Night in Paris. I think you can also see her like smoking a joint in like one of the stills too, which I I'm was sure was really like so, super Photoshop faded in, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I just thought the title was very funny and all of the pictures of her, especially with the night vision. I was always like, who finds this appealing? Like, clearly <laughs> you're doing this for the Paris of it all. Like, you don't need to put the worst shots on the cover as well to, like, humiliate her like shit. One Night in Paris was leaked by Rick Solomon before the December premiere of Paris's new show at the time, The Simple Life. It made immediate national headlines with one very clear takeaway. Paris had released the tape on purpose and purely for money and attention. It was shot primarily from a single stationary tripod mounted onto a camera using night vision mode, and it was not obviously intended for release and would, by today's standards, be classified as revenge porn. But by April of 2004, Solomon was distributing the tape through a porn company called Red Light District, and by June, he released it to a porn site. The official release of the video opened with a dedication that states, and I'm sorry to say this, <laughs> in memory of 9-11, we will never forget. And that was honestly the draw to watching it in the first place. Is like, <laughs> it does not say that that's fucking stupid. And it does, in fact, say that before I anything. Like the title completely card. Completely forgotten about that. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is yet again not a 9-11 podcast. (laughs) (sighs) Afterwards, well, I'm glad you got that laughing because after that it gets a little bit more dark. Afterwards, Paris stated publicly that she had been quote-unquote out of it and didn't know what she was doing during the taping of the video and didn't approve of its release. Solomon then sued Hilton for defamation. Hilton then turned around and countersued him over the release of the tape and then they ended up settling out of court in July of 2005. According to reports, she was awarded around $400,000, which seems insane, especially when Solomon, on the other hand, claimed $10 million on his 2004 oh, taxes. Piece fuck of shit. Him. Anyway, Hilton also was going to take the money that she was awarded in the lawsuit regardless and planned to donate it to charity. In a 2006 interview, though, with the British GQ, Paris said about the tape, quote, I never received a dime from the video. It's just dirty money. And Solomon should give it all away to some charity for the sexually abused or something. To be honest, I don't even want to think about it anymore. But later in that same interview, which was like, I don't even know why, was conducted by noted grosso Piers Morgan. He goes on to ask, quote, are you good in bed? And before she can answer, follows up with. Quote, I guess it's a rhetorical question because I watched the video this morning for research purposes and the answer is clearly affirmative. In response, he reported that she blushed, blushed, gasped, and looked delighted, which, oh my God, please. After a few paragraphs earlier in their Q&A, she had repeatedly told him that the release of the sex tape was a betrayal and that the idea that people that she meets have watched it is a horrifying thought. So this is just sort of like the tone and the context around what happened afterwards, after saying that she essentially did it to herself and it's all her fault. And I just want to also say that I'm aware that Paris has a history of saying racist things on camera and she should absolutely address and assume responsibility for them. But two things can be true. So the facts remain that Paris Hilton's sex tape was released without her consent when she was 19 and people then decided that she didn't deserve any respect after that because of it. It also deeply affected an era of pop culture, and I think all of us who consumed it at some point internalized a little bit of the misogyny around it, if anything, because her and that sex tape were the butt of the joke for fucking years. It it emboldened like the Perez Hiltons of the world to jaw jizz on women's faces, and where do you even think he or how he rose to popularity is similar to Pam Anderson in a lot of ways. People made a lot of money off of her name that she didn't 
necessarily see, not like she even would have really wanted that. I'm not saying cry for the poor little rich girl. I just think it's interesting that in the last couple of years, we've gone back and, you know, re-examined how we treated Princess Di and framing Britney Spears. And look, Paris was in two good docs last year, and I didn't make it through all of her personal docuseries because it was just really sad. But I think that there should be a little bit of reframing. Like, I understand that she was a character, so people had a hard time separating the two. But it was not a character in that sex tape is one thing that I just want to make crystal clear. And Rick would obviously made a lot of money and was made. I mean, it bolstered him into stud status. I mean, he goes on to marry Pam Anderson. He goes on to also like fuck a lot of other starlets. I think maybe even Lindsay Lohan included. So he's not a great guy and has obviously hurt Paris really super long term. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing to keep in mind is, as you you mentioned, the docs, that's really important. I mean, this woman went through so much trauma as a teenager, having been in those, she mm-hmm. went to like a reform camp school or whatever, mm-hmm. which they're trying, she's trying to help close at this point because they've been, yeah. you know, they've been shown to be abusive towards their, their, uh, the kids who go there, all that kind of thing. She, and this was not the first time she had been, you know, dealt with, uh, you know, a horrible predator in her life. Like I think prior to that, she had been assaulted before. Like it is, she is someone who for everything that she did, you know, in her twenties and, you know, she made mistakes, obviously. I have to say, I really admire someone like her who has been able to take what she was given, which was a really shitty situation, and make a lot of money because that's what she's ended up doing. I mean, Solomon may have made $10 million and fuck him for that. But ultimately, she has had the last laugh as she is the one who now makes millions of dollars doing DJ gigs all over the world and was, yeah, the first person to kind of do the influencer thing before it was even called that. Yeah, I definitely agree with all of that. But I also have to say that there are some lasting negative effects for her in result of how she was treated in the media, because I distinctly remember around election time, people talking or people asking Paris what she thought about what people were saying about her old family friend, you know whom, and his sexual assault charges. And she said that all these women were doing it for the attention and the money. And it's just sort of sad to me Mm -hmm. that maybe you haven't learned that lesson yet, that like that's not actually true. You know that that's not true. You've experienced it firsthand. So I don't know. I understand why people are reticent to like, you know, forgive her or even paint her in a sympathetic or empathetic light. And I'm not trying to encourage anybody to feel that way or to even... I don't know, reframe it as uh, ultimately like a positive for her. I just found, you know, that interview with Piers Morgan like really got under my skin because that's just sort of like it happens. I think her and Pamela Anderson have a lot in common because it just happens throughout their career where they have to answer for these terrible men, even though they didn't want anything to do with it. And it happened without their consent. So that is an interesting through line through all of them. And to just tie it back to Vivid, they're the ones that now own the rights to the video. So I don't know if it is necessarily like readily available in terms of like streaming or something or if you could still buy it or whatever. But, you know, I I think that until she can like fully accept responsibility for all of the things that she's done, that no one's really going to throw her a bone. But that's not to say that the way that she was treated and was made fun of and essentially called a whore and like everybody applauded, you know, South Park or whatever Mm -hmm. is also not fair. But 
you know, I get it. I get both sides, which never sounds good. Um, but, you know, I, I hope you know what I mean. No, I know what you mean. And I think you're you're absolutely right. Like this is per- a person who is not perfect, who still has a lot of things that they need to, you know, not atone for, but certainly address that they did in the past that aren't great. And it, as recently as a few years ago, when it comes to those comments regarding a certain family friend of theirs. But I do think it is very interesting, the turn that is she's taken in just the last year or so where she started speaking um, in her normal voice, which sounds very mm-hmm. different. <laughs> from yeah, that, I know that that's hot. That he, you know, voice that she was Gorge. so large. <laughs> I mean, I was listening to Stars Are Blind today, like multiple times, and it's, it's a great still album. good. Paris and also, most great. of that album is still very enjoyable. And I am telling you, we need to do this Scott Storch episode next season. I'm it, her just being like Scott Storch. I was like, yes, Scott Storch. Do you, you remember him? Anybody? <laughs> I listened to Screwed on that album like three times in a row last week. It was great. I enjoyed it so much. It's it's such a fun song. Jam, turn it up. (laughs) (laughs) I guess now is as good of a time to get into Kim Kardashian's sex tape. Uh, So prior to this tape, and this one's, I will say this one's an interesting one because I think Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, especially Pam Anderson, are still defined by that sex tape i think paris hilton Mm -hmm. still is defined by that text that sex tape kim kardashian i would argue not so much it is a blimp it's a footnote it's It's insane it is slightly the reason why she is catapulted to stardom but i would argue there was a lot already put in play prior to that sex tape happening for sure and i mean i think you know I don't know. I feel like she's the only, not the only one. I don't know. I'm not trying to put down anybody else, but I feel like she's the one that was like, yeah, I did that. And what? And like, yeah, I did it to get famous. Like she, whether or not she really meant it, she sort of owned it in a way that people cannot put her. I mean, people do and still call her a whore. That's for fucking sure. But also, they hate her for other reasons now they hate her as for well. For other reasons as well, and I would. But also it's something add- that's just mentioned as an afterthought now. It Sorry, is. go ahead. No, it it is, and I would also argue based on the figures that she allegedly made off of the settlement, she made more money from any of those women off the sex tape, which is interesting as well. Well, Kim is my lawyer. You know what I mean? Like she, I will give her. The credit that like she definitely took those lemons and turned it into a billion dollar yeah. lemonade stand yeah. and she doesn't care that she has a sex tape out there versus Paris who I think especially with like the Hiltons and stuff like it must be difficult to have you know a famous hotelier daddy who is probably none too pleased who has foreign investors and you know Pam wanted to be taken seriously as an actress at one time I mean I know barbed wire didn't turn out the way that she wanted, but there was obviously a want to like be taken a little bit more seriously than like just some butsy busty dits. But Kim didn't give a shit that you thought she was like fucking stupid or whatever, because obviously she's not. She She sort of like adopted like a Madonna mentality of like, whatever, I'm just going to fucking make money. And you guys can go over there and talk about it if you want. Yeah. I mean, she really went for it. She adopted the idea. She was, able to see and maybe if she wasn't really able to see the future obviously but in some mm-hmm. strange way she knew what she could do with this and she went with it but 
I'll start a little bit, you know, on the pre-tape behind the scenes. And that is that, of course, pre-tape, our girl girl Kimberly Kardashian was born October 21st, 1980 in L.A. to Robert Kardashian and Kris Kardashian. Nay Hofton, now better known as Kris Jenner. Kim grew up in L.A., obviously, with her sisters Courtney and Chloe and brother Rob, and was probably best known up until the early 2000s as being the daughter of Robert Kardashian, O.J. Simpson's best friend, part of his legal defense team, when he was on trial for having murdered his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson. In the early 90s, Kim's parents split, and Chris married Caitlyn Jenner, then still going by her dead name, Bruce Jenner. Kim graduated in 1998 from Marymount High School, and I have to note the alums from this school because it is full of lots of fun. It is Courtney, oh, Chloe, yeah. and Kim, Mariska Hargitay, Giada De Laurentiis, Marlo Thomas, and Olivia J. Giannulli, a.k.a. Lori Laughlin's daughter, who got into USC by pretending she was a competitive rower. Anyway. Didn't Rashida Jones go there, too? No, she didn't come up on the list when I checked. I feel like Rashida Jones may have gone to Crossroads or something like that. But I could or be Cam- wrong. Or, or Campbell, Campbell Hall. Hall. I yeah. think that's where like Paris and Nicole went. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Any- so in 2000, she marries Damon Thomas, one half of the production group, The Underdogs. They eloped when she was just 19 and he was 10 years her senior. She's alleged that Thomas was not was quite controlling and the marriage officially ended in 2004, but they had separated much earlier than that. Meanwhile, Ray J, a.k.a. William Ray Norwood, was born January 17th, 1981 in Macomb, Mississippi to Willie Norwood and Sonia Bates Norwood. Ray J's older sister is very famously singer-actress Brandy, who we talked about in our Moesha episode. They were raised in L.A., began acting and releasing music as young teenagers, and he would release his first album in 1997 and later go on to appear in Moesha in 1999 from the show's end in 2001 playing Dorian. Moesha's cousin, who is later revealed to be her half-brother in a plot line that divided the audience and sent a lot of writers leaving because the Norwood family was just trying to get more Ray J on the show. So back in 2002, when Kim Kardashian was still working as a celebrity stylist and separated from her first (laughs) husband, one of her clients included (laughs) Brandy. Remember that career? (laughs) Yeah. Celebrity stylist Kim Kardashian. Mm -hmm. One of her clients included Brandy. She met Ray J through her client and they began a relationship, which led to them traveling in October of 2002 to the Esperanza Resort in Cabo, Mexico to celebrate her 23rd birthday. Using a handheld camcorder, they filmed themselves on vacation and at certain points having sex. Throughout the early 2000s, Kardashian made a name for herself, first by starting a business selling celebrities clothes on eBay for friends and clients clearly wanted to be known for more and would allegedly pitch stories about herself to the gossip magazines. In this oral history, no pun intended, around the sex tape, the editor of In Touch Weekly (laughs) says that the editors would always drop these stories that she would try to pitch because she just wasn't known for anything else except for in like the Hollywood world being known as a stylist. But once she made a brief appearance on The Simple Life, it got her, put her on the map. She was, being no- she was also known for being the first girl that Nick Lachey was spotted on a date with after splitting from Jessica Simpson, which apparently she and In Touch Weekly worked on putting together. And wow. the shameless hustle, my friend. My God. I, it's like, scandalous. It's amazing. So in February. I mean, honestly, the devil works hard, but the Kardashian Jenners work harder for sure. They do. They do. Whole. Yeah. My God. Can't accuse them of not wanting it. That is the hardest working people in show business. And I say that lightly because that was James Brown's title before he up until his death. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What a parallel. (laughs) What is noteworthy about this 
tape is it gets released almost five years after it was actually filmed. So in February of 2007, the sex tape was leaked. The video titled Kim Kardashian Superstar was distributed by Vivid Entertainment, which we mentioned earlier were the same distributors as the Pam and Tommy tape. On February 21st, 2007, Stephen Kurtz, the attorney representing Kardashian, filed a suit against Vivid Entertainment. She would later drop the suit in April of 2007 and settled for a reported $5 million, allowing Vivid to release the the tape. And people have disputed that figure and said it's been inflated. There are several Hmm. media outlets, obviously, that criticized her and her family for using the release of the sex tape as a publicity stunt to promote the show. There's a lot of back and forth that Kim actually signed off on this tape before it was leaked. And in the oral history published on page six's website, many people who know Vivid's legal team claim that they would never have put it out unless they had legal consent. And according to one of Ray J's ex-girlfriends, Kareen Steffens, a.k.a. the writer of Confessions of a Video Vixen. I don't know if you've ever read that book. I read it years ago. Yeah. So Ray J went back and forth on whether or not he wanted to sign the agreement based on the risk that they may or may not make money on the office video. He kind of thought this could get him out of the shadow of being Brandy's brother and put him on the map. Unfortunately, you know, so he signed the agreement, but really, as we all know, the where are they now in this is uh, significantly different. Well, I mean, (laughs) he set fire to a field doing a botched gender reveal. So that's what Ray J is up to, to, among many other things. So really, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Ray J only kind of ends up in the public eye these days because of various things or who he has dated. Um, he has apparently he was dating Whitney Houston right around the time she died is what what oh, right I yeah. forgot that rumor. I had forgotten about that as well it's gone back and forth Kareen Steffens in this uh, article says that that is the case um, he's hmm. alleged in other uh, articles that he wasn't like it kind of there's a bit of of, of mixed uh, stories around that but uh, Look, obviously Emily <laughs> if you think I'm going to believe a man who makes bootleg airpods you've got another thing coming <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe Ray J. Tell you that. Meanwhile, Kim is Kim. Uh, in October 2007, mm-hmm. the whole family would appear on the reality television series Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which, to set the record straight, was actually already in production pre-sex tape release. And it is currently in its 20th and final season, and the final episode actually airs next week. I don't even need to go into any more about Kim Kardashian. You all know Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian West. I think now she will start going by Kim Kardashian again. Uh, But that is really the story of Kim K and Ray J. A very interesting, I mean, obviously we did this on purpose, order to have done these sex tapes. Yes. From like a completely batshit insane story of how a sex tape got leaked before the internet was ubiquitous to Paris Hilton and some possible reframing around what has the fallout of her tape to Kim, who is a very famous, extremely wealthy person who launched her career by planting stories and being a part of a uh, being part of the release of her sex tape. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for listening. Please. 
I think it's you have to follow us now on Apple Podcasts. Like the whole new interface uh, befuddles yeah. me. But if you <laughs> do the thing where Apple Podcasts will auto populate our episodes to your feed every week, we suggest you do that. You can also find us on Spotify if you want a less um, frustrating uh, interface experience. We're also on all other streaming platforms where podcasts can be heard. If you like what you've heard today, please make sure to leave us a review wherever you can. We love five stars. And if you want to keep up with what we're up to, the best way you can do that is to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Old Millennials Pod. And you can also follow me and Emily on Twitter individually. I am at Marg, she wrote. And I am at Emily A. Bejen. And until next time, we say bye-bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.